think the, the biggest mistake people make when they are first talk to me is they ask, what's the rate? Yeah. So it, it's a thing that we all are educated on. Uh, you know, we know there's interest rates. Everywhere we look, there's interest rates and comparison rates. And, and um, the, the challenge that we have is none of us really know what that means. So we know an interest rate low means I'm going to have lower payments, a higher interest rate, higher payments. Um, but how the interest rate actually impacts the payments is is the, the key part. And also outside of the interest rates, what are the other costs added into the finance that, that aren't and don't have to be reflected in the rate um, that are going to make the, the uh, the overall uh, cost a lot more. Welcome to Get Invested on the Property Hub podcast channel, the leading weekly show to help you unlock your full self, health and wealth potential. I'm your host, Bushy Martin, and each week I go deep with the best investors, experts, leaders and founders to find out what it takes to break free from the grind, discover freedom and live by design. Subscribe now and join me and get invested in the life you really want. Let's get started. Hi, Freedom Fighters. Should you buy a vehicle with your hard-earned cash or consider a loan or a lease or some other alternative? The answer, it depends. It depends on the specifics of your situation and circumstance because there's no one-size-fits-all answer to any of this. Now, it's fair to say that we all love the look, feel, and smell of a brand spanking new car and it's easy to get caught up in the emotion of the moment and the FOMO when you're in the car yard and after taking it for a test drive, you've just got to have the car right here, right now. So you either splash your dash, uh, cash on the dash or you sign on the dotted line with the dealer's in-house finance team because the price being offered is always a special once-in-a-lifetime offer that's only going to be relevant today and it's only going to cost you a few hundred dollars a week to finance it, right? Wrong. Is it any wonder that, unfortunately, the car sales industry still suffers a bit of a challenging reputation? Just like I can continue to suggest that you need to paint it all out on paper and crunch the numbers before you buy a property, because the property is actually the last thing you need to look at, you need to adopt the same approach when it comes to securing a vehicle or any other equipment finance. So should you pay cash or finance your vehicle or equipment purchase? This, again, is where the dual concepts of access versus ownership and opportunity cost that we touched on in last week's episode come well and truly into play. And if it's better in your particular situation to finance it, do you take out a personal loan, a high purchase, a lease, a novated lease, a chattel mortgage, or many of a lot of other alternatives? The truth is that in our time-poor world, asset finance is becoming increasingly more complex, confusing, and overwhelming. So to enable you to see the forest from the trees and better decide what's right for you and your circumstance, experienced and expert asset finance broker Michael Johnson from National Direct Finance joins us for part two of our great conversation. So welcome back to Get Invested, Michael. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks for having me. Mate, uh, really looking to diving into this because it is an area that that most of us know enough to be dangerous, uh, uh, being perfectly honest about it. So uh, let, let's start with the the obvious question, uh, why finance an asset versus buying it outright? Yeah, I suppose the, the simple reason is it's it's uh, it leaves money in the bank for you to use to do other things. Um, and then ideally, if you're taking out finance, you've got some tax benefit for doing it. 
So that, that all works well if you're um, using a car for work or if you've got your business and, and you can write the car off, uh, but some people don't. So there's other options there that we need to look at, such as novated leasing or operated leases and things like that. Uh, but ultimately, I guess it just comes down to whether or not if you're going to pay $50,000 or $30,000 for a car, would that $30,000 be used better somewhere else in conjunction with you taking out finance? So you also don't want to take out finance if you need to borrow money and by taking that finance out is going to reduce your ability or, or your level of borrowing to, to do the, uh, the investment uh, or the income generating um, uh, loan that you want to take out. But um, so matched properly and, and properly understood, then, um, then uh, you know, financing does make sense. Yeah. Uh, but yes, like you said, it's confusing and people will tell you a number of different things. And, and like we said last uh, episode, that uh, if, if you're being transactional, then the person selling you that product only cares about that product and not you. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Beautifully said. So uh, if, if we look at this whole area, then uh, what's one asset finance idea that you think the majority of us get wrong? Um, I think the, the biggest mistake people make when they are first talk to me is they ask, what's the rate? Yeah. So it's a thing that we all are educated on. Uh, you know, we know there's interest rates. Everywhere we look, there's interest rates and comparison rates. And and um, the, the challenge that we have is none of us really know what that means. So yeah. we know an interest rate low means I'm going to have lower payments, a higher interest rate, higher payments. Um, but how the interest rate actually impacts the payments is is the the key part, and also outside of the interest rates, what are the other costs added into the finance that that aren't and don't have to be reflected in the rate um, that are going to make the the uh, the overall cost a lot more. Um, so sometimes people probably get a little bit miffed with us and a bit concerned that I'm trying to take them away from the interest rate conversation because they're, that's what they know. But we're trying to educate people on uh, understanding what the true cost is. So we, we say to people, the interest rate is, is not what comes out of your bank account money is. So, so let's just look at the overall money. Um, obviously, we'll always talk about interest rate. We'll declare the interest rate. We'll show the interest rates where a lot of people might do that, um, especially in commercial finance. Um, but ultimately, it's about how much is it going to cost you uh, opposed to the interest rate. You can't buy anything with an interest rate. Absolutely. Very similar in the home loan environment where, you know, banks and, and sadly a lot of brokers focus on the lowest rate. But when you look at the ingoing, ongoing, outgoing fees uh, and then the impact of offset accounts and, and other exercises that you can bring to the table to influence what the true bottom line cost is, yeah. you compare that on an apples for apples basis with with other alternative, then suddenly uh, you're having a very different conversation. And while rate is part of it, it, it is only part of it. So it sounds like it's very similar in the uh, asset. Yeah. Look, we, we work on the, the theory that the, the interest rate is probably the smallest part of the equation that that uh, you need to focus on. Uh, it's the one that has probably the least impact on, on payments. And that's assuming when you're talking about interest rates, you're talking maybe a difference of 2%. Yeah. Now, if you're talking 10% to 35%, then clearly straight up there's a difference. Yeah. Um, but if you're trying to compare something that's a couple of percent apart, the lowest interest, may, uh, interest rate may not be um, the cheapest payment. So. Yeah. 
we, we need to make sure people understand that and, and when they're comparing, compare the right things. Yeah, and, and getting back to a true apples for apples comparison uh, yeah. so they're making more informed decisions. Are there any other mistakes that you see uh, people making when it comes to asset finance? Um, yeah, possibly finance in the wrong way. Um you know, and not not exploring other ways that might might be available to them. So, for instance, if you're with your employer and they offer an overrated lease arrangement um, or salary sacrifice arrangement, then that's something you should explore with your employer. Uh, some employers have arrangements with uh, some of the big overrated leasing companies uh, and only will deal with them. And others, if they do support salary sacrificing, may give you the opportunity to, to explore whoever you want to go with. So more of the bigger organisations, the government organisations, they'll tend to be tied to a, a specific um, business that, that solely does that, and they'll do that for 100, 200 people. Yeah. Um, doesn't necessarily matter it's the best deal, but it's the best one you're going to get on, on salary sacrifice. Um, and the benefit of salary sacrifice is just simply if you have no tax benefit for the vehicle, you're getting the tax benefit from a free tax. You're reducing your your normal taxable income with the amount of that car payment. And there's a few other bits that come into it and may or may not make it as, as beneficial as it, as it could be, but it's certainly something to explore. Um, but, again, that comes with its own dangers and, and um, I won't say misrepresentations, uh, but other areas that you need to make sure that you're clear on, and when you're comparing apples with apples, um, uh, you, you're or when you think you're comparing apples with apples, you're actually understanding what it is that you're comparing. Because again, they, the the, mud, the waters can be muddied very, very easily. It's an area that not many people understand, so it's easy to be confused. Uh, and typically, you know, as we pressed on. Um, at the end of, of last episode, um, people probably don't come out and tell you exactly what they they think because they, they feel like they might um, be made out to be silly or or um, weak. And um, by asking the right questions, you, you can get around that and, and get the right result. But yeah, so people just need to be open and say, "Hey, I've got no idea." Yeah, like I did with you. That's exactly the conversation I remember. The very first time we spoke, I. Uh, I can't remember what I, exactly what I said, but I said, look, I've got no clue about this. Talk me through the, the pros and cons and the options so I can make a decision that I think is going to work. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I guess maybe I'm old and ugly enough uh, not to care anymore, mate, because I, I think the only dumb question is the question you don't ask. And if I don't understand your answer, I'm going to keep asking you until I do yeah. get it. Um, and that's exactly the way to do it, mate. Yeah, no dumb questions, as they say. But, no, look, I encourage people to... To ask a question, and and even from our end as a broker, I encourage my brokers to ask a question that they they won't necessarily like the answer to, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah. You know, if we've got to say no, we can't do it. Then no, we can't do it. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, or should we be doing it? Yes, uh, that, that's a good one there. I'd, you, you touched on no-dated leases, uh, and I know there's a whole raft of uh, other different uh, financing options. So can you talk us through what are the different types of finance uh, that we can access uh, in terms certainly. of assets, equipment, vehicles, and and also talk to us about the, the best use case for each, if you don't mind. Yeah, so without making it sound too complicated, so if we're a business that, that we're looking for uh, finance for an asset, uh, whether that could be machinery, could be a vehicle, could be um, look. If we're going down the path of business loans, there's you know we'll, we'll touch on that. But if we're talking asset alone, so um, it, it really varies on cash flow for the business. I think, which is the key part of what we always look for. Um, financing in, in an asset 
space can be quite easy to get at times uh, if you tick certain boxes that, that make requirements of lenders, which sometimes means you might not be getting the right product. We're going down a path of what's easy, not what's best. Yeah. Um, but, you know, motor vehicle finance is probably the biggest one that most people will come across and, and different people. You know, you could be a rep on the road that uses the car for work. You get a car allowance. Um, you know, that, that's a, a very common type of finance that we deal with. Uh, the benefit of it is the fact that you've got a vehicle that you're now going to be able to make some taxable claim on. Uh, you claim insurance, Rego, um, uh, sorry, not Rego, insurance, fuel servicing, or your maintenance, any, anything you essentially spend on a car, you get to claim a percentage of your business use. Um, so typically you've got to be over 50% uh, business use and, and then you get to claim anything uh, you know, above that amount. Uh, so that, that's a, a product that can suit a lot of people. Um, the biggest mistake we see in that is people will get a car allowance and think that they can use their whole car allowance to, to be the full payment, which often they find that um, they're coming up short. Uh, it doesn't mean there's any less claim. Any money you spend out of your own pocket, you still get to claim. But where you might have had the car allowance and, and not the car allowance, um, you know, if you've had a, car, a company car and then they, they put you on a car allowance, that your company car side of things will give you the ability to essentially just run the car with no cost to you. Yeah. Um, people then get a car allowance and think, oh, I've got $15,000 for a car allowance. They use all that 15000 on the payments and then forget, hang on, I've got to pay for fuel, rego, insurance, maintenance. And whilst they get to claim it, it comes out of their post-tax income yeah. and means that they're going to have to, to – reduce their spending somewhere else to, to cover the car. So, yeah. so that, that's probably the biggest trap we see with people with car allowances. Yeah. And some people accept the fact, the fact that they've got to pay extra uh, out, of, out of pocket because they're buying a car they want. So it's a fair compromise. And as I say, you're still getting a tax deduction on it if your business uses enough. Yeah. Um, so that, that's our, our call from an asset side. But then it's businesses that are buying vehicles for reps, um, buying cars and and uh, uh, you know, trucks for, for on the road. Um, and uh, look, we've even gone out to doing helicopters and planes. Um, but, uh, you know, asset finance is that side that just gives you that, that tax deduction. And the difference, I suppose, if we're talking um, asset finance or a chattel mortgage for someone who's got business use to someone who has no business use and goes down the path of a salary sacrifice, at the end of the day, they probably wash up to be fairly similar yeah. um, to the point that, or the easy way to think about it, if you've got your, your car allowance and you're paying out of uh, post-tax income, um, you're going to get your tax deduction come tax time. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're doing a salary sacrifice for a no-voted lease, um, you're going to be making your tax deduction all the way through to tax time yeah. by, by way of a lower taxable income. Yeah. So. So the, the benefits can be quite similar, but um, some people have access to it and some don't. Yeah, okay. In, in terms of the initial deposit, the uh, the term of the, the finance and then the balloon or the, the end payment at the end, are there any differences in the options that you've touched on? Yeah, definitely. So consumer finance, so not for business use, um, will generally go out, um, say, for a seven-year term, um, which, again, if you're planning on keeping the car and and let's say you have no tax benefit, this is just a luxury item that you're wanting to buy, um, you, you can use the, the consumer loan to finance your vehicle, uh, say up to a seven-year term with no balloon um, or from a, a one- to five-year term with the balloon. 
um, deposits. Um, generally, if you're a PAYG, aren't required unless it's down to the servicing piece. So much like a home loan, yeah. and they're treating that exactly the same. So if your income is greater than your expenses, and and obviously expenses are, are meted by um, requirements that, that the lenders have. Um, so even if we tell them we earn or we spend $1,000 a month to live, um, there's a tool in the background which which they'll use as a fallback. But um, So you might think you can afford to, to do this, but government with their benefits uh, or their, their buffers in protecting clients um, will, will suggest that you can't. So uh, that's where a broker comes into it and, and gives you the opportunity to, to have those discussions before you apply for finance. Um so, so yeah. So from a from a consumer space, then you, you can basically be as flexible as you like. And it'll come down to payment. Um, from a channel mortgage point of view, uh, again, it's it's cash load for the business. Um, but there are some rules in in channel mortgage that you, know, you can take out a low doc loan. That if you're asset backed, you may not need to put a deposit in. If you're not asset backed, you still might get that low doc loan if you meet the other requirements. But you might be required to put a ten to thirty percent deposit down. Um, and, and you're less controlled by cash flow or servicing on a, on a commercial loan than you are a consumer loan. Yeah, yeah beautifully said. Uh, I, I can imagine that, uh, you know, and again, as I sort of touched on in the, the intro, uh, a lot of people get caught up in the, the emotion of the moment, particularly when it comes to buying a vehicle, whether it be for the business or, or personal use. And I'd imagine the, the car yards are very good at applying that pressure and getting them to finance within the dealership rather than go to someone like yourself who can offer multiple options and multiple lenders uh, uh, to suit their exercise. What, what What's your advice to anyone uh, that's that's contemplating getting a, a vehicle in the short to medium term uh, yeah, well, avoid getting caught in that situation? Buying a vehicle is a very emotive thing. So if it wasn't, we'd all be driving around in the same cars and the same colour and, and, you know, not care about anything that, that other than getting A to B. Um, so walking into a dealership and seeing the car of your dreams, um, even if it's not the car of the dreams, the car you want, ultimately deep down we've, we've pinned in that we want that car. Um, and if a dealership can make that easy, often all those things that we've educated on, all those things that we know are right, uh, we kind of flick to the side because, hey, I can get this car and I can get it now. And I love it. And if I don't get it, someone else will get it. Yeah. Um, so, so we like to slow that process down a little bit. And having been in the car game for a long time, being on that side of the fence, trained on that side of the fence, we know what they're, they're trying to achieve and why they're trying to achieve it. Um, if we can then take you out of that environment for a moment, just to slow it down, just to make sure you're, you're getting the right thing, you might still go to the dealership. Now, just because we talk to you doesn't mean you'll go with us, and, and nor should you. Um, but it gives you the ability to just double-check what you're doing. You know, am I taking the finance out over the right period of time? Um, how long am I going to keep the car for? And is the structure that that you know, I've been spoken to about by the dealership, is that really the right one that's going to suit me for the future? Where we like to, to take this is what do you want to do? So, yes, we'll do this car finance, but what do you want to do in five years' time or three years' time? Are you buying more property? Are you investing somewhere? Are you, you know, do you have a wedding to pay for? Is it, you know, what, what do you, outside of the car, what do you need to use this money for? Yeah. Um, we see a lot of people take out finance and then they can't get a home loan. Yeah. Um, or, or vice versa, you know, and, and, and so the key thing is just, 
slow it down, look at what you're doing, and is this the right thing that's going to let you achieve what you want to achieve? Um, you might be right, it might be fine, carry on, and um, you know, if it's, we'll worry about your investments later. Um, but that takes us back to what we spoke in the last episode of you know, maybe you need to be focused on the right things to, to, to get you to where you want to be in life. Um, so we, we do do it a little bit differently to some other brokers. We're not transactional. Um, why we work well with with other businesses, other mortgage brokers, is the simple fact that we've got the client's best interest at heart and we want to make sure that they can achieve what they want to achieve in the long run, not just buy the car. Uh, I love that you're taking a, a much more strategic approach to looking at their overall situation so that you can see how this purchase fits into the the overall context, and you're also pressure testing uh, the, the options that they're considering in that time to make sure that they're doing what's really in their best interests, not necessarily what might be in the interest of the person who's trying to sell them the finance, which is a yeah, which is a bit of a rarity. I've, I've got to say, uh, Michael, in the game, because there's a lot of what I call seagulls uh, in that space that fly in, uh, SHIT and fly out, uh, yeah. and you never hear from them again. It's like the easy option, yeah, 100%. So, uh, so that, that, thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, sort of looking at this whole area, then is, is there one idea that uh, a lot of the so called experts in asset finance uh field say that, that you would disagree with? Um, I suppose my side of it's transparency, it's, it's one of those pieces that we all like to think we're doing and, and maybe we're leaning on the industry to 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 introduce that or support that. But in reality we're not. We're still dealing with banks that that have an interest in selling a product and no bank wants to be the leader or no lender wants to be the leader in the space that says no. Um, so so transparency is a big one. I, I really I'm a big believer if we don't have to sell by deceit. So, and by that I mean, let's just tell people what it is. Let's not sell a product and hope nobody asks questions. And, and we know in our industry, like we touched on before, is that people don't really understand it. So I can tell you it's 5% and then sell it to you at 15% and you've remembered 5% uh, and you're happy with the payment at 15% and I'm exaggerating, but you're happy with the payment where I've told you and you've told, you're happy with the rate that I've told you. So you think you're getting something you're not. And there's not a lot of protections in place for the consumer around that. Yeah. Um, and, and there could be, but the lenders are probably a little bit scared of, of and not all lenders, well, mind you, there are a couple out there that do, do have better disclosure than others. Yeah. And probably my you know, um, colleagues in the industry wouldn't like me saying it. But, but in reality, I think if we're all about trying to make sure we're doing the right thing by the client, and everyone knows you make money when you sell something. So so we're rightly going to make money, but it's just uh, if a customer knew how much money we were making, would, would they be happy to still use that person? Uh, so so that's why I call selling by deceit. So so I think um, that transparency is, is one of those pieces that, that there's always a bit of an argument in the industry and no one really ever gets it right because they don't want to to be the first, they don't want to be that leader that says, you know, we're prepared to to take a, a cut here to actually do the morally right thing um, to ensure that we, we stand well in the industry because so there's too so much business to lose. Yeah, am I right in saying that there's no duty of disclosure uh, for uh, anyone in asset finance to declare? Commercial asset finance, 
No, that, that's right. Commercial asset finance. There's one or two lenders that do do disclose it. There's one or two um, lenders that do disclose it, but make it hard to find. Um, but uh, overall, um, from a commercial contract, you'll find that you, the, the thing that everyone asks about being interest rate. Uh, even though I'm saying interest rates not the key, uh, but the, the trigger to maybe people's uh, discussion uh, doesn't show anyway. So, uh, like I say, it's very easy for me to turn around and say one thing and give you another. You've heard, you know, what we've told you here, and this part is is fits in the budget, so that's okay. Um, but it's not what you think you're getting. Um, so it's a really difficult point to to deal with, and and parts of the mortgage industry are dealing with it differently to the way the asset industry is working with it uh, in the consumer space. Um, but, yeah, just transparency. I think, you know, we, we're just too scared to to um, disclose everything out of fear of losing it. Well, I can see why uh, a lot of, uh, should we say, uh, people in the asset finance game that have less integrity are going to push everything back to rate because, you know, five percent of ten grand versus five percent of fifteen grand is a very different answer. But if they're only just bring it back to the that percentage, then it then it avoids having to have that that conversation. So you sort of open correct it up to look a bit more. We, we brought it back to the part the customer knows about or yeah. thinks they know about, and, and yes. so it's easy to be you know, build confidence in that. Yeah. So um, so so revolving around that, then uh, what are your best tips for us to actually improve? Asset financing outcomes when we step up to the block to uh, to try and secure that. Yeah, of- it's, a, it's a challenge because you don't know what you don't know, and and those who are selling it often are a lot better at it than you because we do it all day every day. You might do this once every three, four, five years, and it would have changed in that time frame. Yeah. So it's very difficult for you to to know. Um, but I think look, as ask as many questions as you can, get as much information documented as you can. Um, and then compare it and ask questions to somebody else. Um, you know, anyone who's confident in what they're, they're providing their customers is not going to be, have a concern with their customer sharing that information. Yeah. Um, we all hate giving the competitor information to work with because it's really easy to, to beat a competitor because I just have to be cheaper than they are and I've, I've got the business. And, again, you forget about what it is that you're trying to achieve, you know, beyond that transaction, um, and, and that person may not have that same integrity or, or intent in, in what they're, when, when they're selling your product. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's probably, you know, the, the uh, challenge that, that you would face is just getting the right information and, and understanding the information you're getting. Um, there is no real one resource that anyone can go to. So it's really find a reputable person um, uh, you know, compare against, ask around, is the information I'm getting sounding right? And, and I don't mean going to the pub and asking the guy next to you, what rate did you get? Um, because that's typically where we get people coming back to us and saying, hey, my broker, my, my, my mate at the pub said he got it at 5% lower than what I got it. Um, yeah, they haven't compared payments. Yeah. You know, so 5% lower might actually have higher payments than the guy that paid more. Uh, so I had a higher rate. Um, but just try and get the right information. And so it really is using someone that you trust, making sure that that um, their, their integrity is there. If, if they're prepared to answer all of your questions and give you the information and give it to you to be able to take away, then, then you would hope that, that um, 
you've got the right person. Yeah, no, beautifully said, mate. So yeah. you've touched on some of this already, but uh, given the enormous experience you've had in this area, what do you think separates a great asset finance broker from the rest? Yeah, I think not being transactional. You know, it, it, we said at the start it's complex and difficult, and it is for the consumer, but from our end it's not. So we would probably have five or ten transactions only, if that makes sense. So everything we do fits within a certain um, type of transaction. Um, you know, it'd be people buying cars and, and, you know, so many people fit into that same scenario, um, people buying trucks, businesses. So from our, our end, it's, it's quite simple to be clear if we're doing the right thing by the client. Um, so I, I keep coming back to that. I think that's probably um, where the good brokers are, are different to, and I don't necessarily mean the bad brokers don't make any money. They're probably just not the broker you want to um, you know, work with. Um, so, you know, not being transactional, making sure that we've got the, the full picture of what the client wants to do. I want to see the client be able to um, do what they want to do, get ahead in life. Because ultimately, if we're talking consumers with cars, we're just helping them buy a car. Yeah. You know, it's it's not going to do any benefit in their in their life. You know, outside of the COVID times, it's not going to make them any money. Um, so we really want to make sure that we have a, a lifelong relationship with our clients. And as I've done with you over time, and as I've done with with multiple other clients, is is that you know I want to finance them. I want to finance their family. I want to finance their children when their children become old enough to drive or finance vehicles. Um, it might be to help them. You know, pay off a hex debt. It might be, uh, you know, when someone's getting into business to organise and help with a business loan, and and you know, maybe even a, a business that's that's had lots of loans, and we're trying to get in and tidy that up to put them in a better position to move forward. Um, so that's what we're looking for. And if we just do transaction after transaction, because uh, we can, um, we're we're just not doing. We're not operating like I like to operate. Um, yeah. And, and then it, it just comes down to making sure we've got products for clients. Um, you know, one business we, we used to work for, it's, it had one lender ultimately. So customers are coming to a broker and they're ultimately just pumping it through that one lender. Now, thankfully, it was a good lender. So, uh, you know, it wasn't something negative, but a good broker has access to many lenders. They understand many lenders. And I think, like we said in last episode, just... Um, you know, be prepared to, to, from a broker's point of view, be prepared to give the client the product that may not be beneficial to me as the broker. Yes. It may not be the one I make the most money out of. Yeah. Um, but if I do the right thing by my client, then they'll continue to come back. They'll come back and, and they'll tell others, which is a, a really a key part of that. So are there, are there any key questions that we need to be asking an asset finance broker to help us separate the good from the bad? Um, I think the simple questions when you're looking for finance is the overall cost. What's the overall cost going to be? Um, And that takes it away from the interest rate, but it'll turn around and show how much interest I'm actually paying. Um, What fees are associated with the loan, both dealer and and broker fees. And we all have fees. You know, it's the the broker fee that we, we put into the finance, which typically will get financed. Yep. The finance, it's it's our margin to a, to a point, yep. but it's what allows us to be able to support you through the, the whole term of the loan. It's what puts, you know, people at the end of the phone. It's it's what makes sure we've got the experts that keep going out and getting educated, uh, have got the ability to, to be able to do so you get the right 
person to talk to and you get the right advice when you talk to them. So those fees are always there, but just look at them because they can vary dramatically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and again, well, you know, some of the lenders are funny when they come out to you and say, look, we'll just increase for, for um, your benefit and we're going to allow you to charge an even higher fee to the customer. Whereas what they're doing is saying, well, we're not going to change our interest rate, so we're not going to adjust anything we do, but so you can make more money, we'll allow you to charge this higher fee. Uh, and it's like fees in some cases, in many cases, are justifiable, but up to how much? So just because your lender's saying, yeah, you can charge it, do you really need to? Yeah, and I get think from listening to what you're sharing with us, uh, the, the the biggest suggestion I can make to anyone who's contemplating this is just to slow it down a little bit because uh, if you're getting caught up and excited about you've got to have this vehicle or, or something, you've got to have it yesterday, uh, that, that's when you can sort of uh, play lip service with the exercise and end up uh, thinking getting your deal but actually being uh, bitten in the backside uh, yeah. in terms of the actual cost over time. Uh, and and talking to someone like you as a trusted advisor who's going to share with us the various options, understand what our particular situation is, what we're trying to achieve, and how that sits in the context of everything else that's going to be happening in our lives uh, is really important to be able to make sure then you're making a fully informed decision and the uh, selecting the, the right option that's ultimately going to give you the, yeah. the best uh, outcome. So no, beautifully slow, said. Slow it down. Slow it down. It's probably the biggest case. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Michael... Where do we need to start with asset finance and, and what initial steps do we need to take uh, before we race out and jump into this area? Yeah, it's a case of, again, understanding what you want to do. Now, most consumers just know that it's a monthly payment. So understand what it is that you're prepared to pay for something. Um, if you're a mum and dad and you're going to buy a car, one of the biggest um, examples I can give you is someone will come to me and say, I want to buy a car for $40,000 but they don't have any idea of how much it's going to cost them. Yeah. So their budget might actually mean they can afford to spend more yep. or comfortably buy the car they want to buy or actually not afford the car that they want to buy. Yeah. So it's more around how much can I justify each month and then what does that buy me? Yeah. Uh, and, and so kind of reverse engineer it. Now, you can't do that on your own. There, there are calculators you can go on, but the variables are so large that it's confusing. So, uh, and unfortunately, in, in our space, that's probably a good place for us to be able to, or the industry, to uh, manipulate things to, to get the result that they want to get out of it. So, it's a tricky one, but again, going back to someone you trust. But the first step really is how much do I want to spend per month? Um yeah, and as I say, there's very different ways of doing that, whether it be the term that you finance it over, a deposit, a balloon payment at the end. Um, so really don't be fixed on what your mate told you. Now, for years we used to get phone calls, I want to do a four-year term with a 40% balloon. Why do you want to do that? Because that's what you know, my mate does. Okay. So so again, it's that education piece. It's understanding what it is that that you need to get out of this Get the do the homework to try and find out what that really means. Um, consumer finance, you are somewhat protected, so you know it's a little bit better from the point of view of the process. That if the information is given to you right, you're able to manage that and be sure you're getting what you're being told um, yep. to a degree. Um, but really, just understand what you want. Um, business is a little bit different. It's it's often a an asset that's going to be um, income generating. 
So we approach that in a little different way. Um, and that, that might be around how much money is it going to make you? What's the life of the machine going to be worth? Yeah. Um, you know, we'll, 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 when does it start to stop being beneficial to you? When yeah. do we start to look at replacement? So do we set up the right type of finance, the, the right terms, um, put you in the right product that you might be available to pay out early with less penalties? Um, so go down that path. But but certainly from your mums and dads that are just out there to buy a car or a caravan or, or you know, that boat, it's just a case of understanding what the budget says and, and then see reverse engineer it to see what it is that you can buy. Well, I, I think my takeaway from all that, Michael, is that uh, for anyone who's considering uh, financing any of your asset or equipment uh, needs, just pick up the call, the phone, and give you a call, mate. Uh, that, I, but I didn't want to say that all the way through. That was the easier answer. Every question was just call me. Uh, it probably sounds a bit arrogant, but um, but that's it. It's uh, look, we've been around for a long period of time. We've we've worked in most environments within the finance industry and with most types of people in the finance industry. So we we've seen what we like, what we don't like, um, where we want to position ourselves, um, and and how we want to. Um, uh, relay that back to our clients. So uh, we're here for the long haul. Um, I don't drive a Ferrari for anyone interested. So so um, it's not about making a truckload of money. Um, that comes in time. But it's a case of just making sure we have a lot of clients that, that are happy and, and, and can trust what we do. So, yeah, pick up the phone. No, I love that. Uh, I'm now going to segue uh, into the round two of the ambush uh, exercise where I give you the blindfold and the cigarette, Michael, uh, and hit you with some quick questions. So uh, first of those uh, is what's your favourite quote and why? Um, you know what? I'll write this down. I uh, Look, it's around um, be yourself. I'm not going to get this right because I often muddle it up. Um be yourself. No, nah, I'll come back to it. You know what? Let me work oh, on that I, one. I, I can remember it. Oh, it's you the do Oscar remember Wilde. it? No, I gave it. It's a great Oscar Wilde one, mate, and, and I love it. it. It's, it's be yourself because everyone else is already taken. Taken. That's it. So, so and I always stuff it up when I someone asks me, but it's uh, you know, when I can sit down and work it out, it's, it just resonates with today, you know, and, you know, social media and the likes of it. So, yeah, you know, that's something that, that underpins me. So, yeah, that, that's what I like. Well, it, it talks it talks to me about uh, being genuine and authentic about who you are, and not trying to be someone else or trying to please everyone else or trying to tell people what they uh, want to hear rather than what they need to hear. So, uh, speaks speaks volumes in that score. Uh, let's switch back to the literary field for a minute. Then, uh, what's the top book that you'd recommend that we read and why? My mind book. Taste has changed dramatically. Um, I don't read novels. I'm not. I don't have a great imagination, so um, I always struggle to sit down and get involved in a in a book. It, it probably comes from high school days where we used to get the back of the VHS and read the the blurb on it and put that into the uh, into the review and hope we got a pass. Um, but look, part of my Outside of what I do in in business is is health and fitness and and really sort of hooked onto that. So a lot of the stuff I enjoy reading about is these people that can can um, do not unhuman things, but how do they they drive themselves? So um, there's a, a guy called um, David Goggins. Mm, uh, no, um, no, yeah, and he comes out with some pretty funny one-liners. Um, 
But he really, you know, he's an ex-Marine. He's he does crazy ultra marathons, you know, um, ultra triathlons. He just puts himself to to the test every time he does something, and and I love hearing how they do that. Um, so so he's got a couple of books. Um, uh, uh, what is it called? Never never finish and and can't hurt. Um, and it's um, it's one I've got going at the moment and, uh, you know, between that and all the podcasts, uh, but it's one that just I love understanding why people do what they do yeah, uh, and, and things that don't make sense to me. Yeah, that, 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 the level of uh, discipline and limitless uh, belief uh, and the resilience just to see something through uh, very inspirational and motivational. Yeah, and I, I sometimes don't like the way sports brought into business because they are unrelated, but mindset is not. So, you know, dig, dig hard, try and try and do something that's uncomfortable, um, you know, and it might pay off. So, yeah, that, that's that's the, the sort of stuff I'm, I'm getting into at the moment. But, uh, and again, podcasts just get in the way of, uh, or not get in the way, but I, I enjoy the podcast because I can pick and choose and get little snippets out of everything I like. So yeah, uh, podcasts now become so much more important. Totally agree, 100% agree. Uh, switching back in the investment arena for a minute then, what's, what's both the worst and the best piece of investment advice that you've ever received? Well, the best, the worst one was um, just do it because it worked for me. Uh, and again, entering into it without any any knowledge. Yeah. Um, the, the best part, best bit of advice was, was um, probably uh, to a point um, – Get into it, understand it, and, and don't be afraid of it. It's not that I've had anyone say and, and take it away from just doing one one thing. It's it's the mindset around investment. Yeah. Um, so just understand it, educate yourself around it, understand it, and and don't be afraid to do it. Um, and and it tells story. When's the right time to do it? It's now. Every time you, you can, know, it's, yeah. and whenever you can. So, yeah. so that probably, yeah, as a broad brush, that's that's probably the best advice that anyone's given me, and it's probably taken me ten years to do it too. Uh, but <laughs> well, it's, but it's, it's, it's never too late advice. to start. But it's uh, never too late to start. But it's always too late to wait, mate. I, I reckon. Yeah. But, uh, I agree. Uh, last uh, last one on the this exercise. What, what's a, a personal happy habit or a daily discipline that's that you use that's contributed most to your success today? Yeah, like um, the, the Navy Seal Goggins. It's it's about and, and that's the outside of this is separating work from um, or, or finding a separation from work okay? and even to a degree from from family. So so changing the things that are, are there and they're constant. That, that we know are always going to be there. And, and so I've gotten really heavily into fitness over the last few years. Um, so, and that just gives me that that drive. I get up five o'clock in the morning, go and, and get going train at 5.30, 6 o'clock, um, do that. It doesn't have to be long, you know, an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I found a good group of people that I like to train with and, and that keeps that drive and that accountability there. Um, and and that for me is my start of the day. So I don't I get up and do that. I don't check my phone. I don't turn on emails. I make sure that part of my day is done before I, I do the bit that I know is sitting there waiting to, to happen. So so that's probably yeah. So and that's turned around probably my business as well. 
uh, yeah. to the fact that that I've I'm not waking up thinking about it. I'm not going to sleep thinking about it. Yeah, you know, now I'm waking up thinking. Or if I wake up in the middle of the night and it's thinking, okay, it's not. Geez, I've got to do that email. I've got to, I've got to answer that phone call. I've got to do that. I'm thinking about what's the program I've got to do when I get there in the morning, and and it just neutralizes the the brain. And 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 for me, it's been a fantastic mental uh, separation to to actually give them a business 100. percent Yeah, and I'm right with you. It's sort of burns out any build-up aggression that clears the head, it re-energizes and, you, and you're ready for the day because you put the big rocks in and you feel like you've done something for yourself so you're actually ready to take on the rest of the yeah. day. Yeah, and there's a whole lot of science behind it that suggests that that's, no matter what time of day you do it, but it's an important part of, of good mental health. So um, we need it in business for ourselves or in, a, in your job, you just need to, to, to find that level. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's a non-negotiable for me. No, I love but that, to the mate. point, my wife makes me go now. Yeah, it, so. it's great, mate, because if, if we're going to last the, the the long-term distance to become a marathon runner instead of a sprinter, I think it's absolutely crucial. So uh, yeah. beautifully said, uh, it, it sort of bring things gradually to a close now. If I, if I ask you to get invested, what does that mean to you? Um, yeah, a couple of things. So get invested to me is get involved, be present. Um, understand that what you're doing and why you're doing something. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily mean go and get some investments. It doesn't mean spend your money there. Uh, it, it really is just just being present, being in the moment, and understanding why you're going to do something and 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 what you want to want to do. And, and I think if you don't have that clarity um, of, of being present, then you can't do those other things. Um, so yeah, that to me is is get invested. Uh, because ultimately the right thinking is going to put you in the right position and and you can get the right people around you and, and you know, if, if making a secure financial future for yourself is what it takes, learn it, understand it and and be present with it so that you can make the right decisions on it. Yeah, beautifully said, mate. Uh, to to summarise the, the great conversations that we've had in this episode and the last one, uh, what what are your key takeaways and actions that we need to take? Uh, look, from a finance perspective, is call me. Yeah, that's it. Call me. Um, no, look, it's it's just being uh, able to try and understand and be confident to ask the questions that 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 you need to ask to to get the right result. Um, it, it's and, and slow things down. Spend the time. To, to understand what you're going to do. Um, you know, if you're buying a car for $50,000, by the time you've put interest in it, you've spent $70,000, that's a big chunk of money. So take the time to fully understand why you're doing something and and then I think you can go into it more informed. Yeah, beautifully said. Uh, look, uh, for those of us uh, like myself uh, that have been listening in and, and really resonated with everything you've shared with us, Michael, uh, uh, how can they uh, get more involved with you and 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 call you as you as you've uh... call me? Yeah. So look, I don't know. Do we give out the mobile number, mate? Is that a safe thing to do? But otherwise, jump on online. Phone numbers online. Um, nationaldirectfinance.com.au. Uh, you can come to our Facebook page, National Direct Finance, or um, uh, even the the new uh, Facebook um, group that you're putting together, Bushy. I'll I'll be on there to to sort of keep an eye out for any. Um, inquiries, any any questions that that come through, but um, National Direct Finance, 
um, look us up. We certainly be able to have a chat to you and, and be more than happy to have a discussion that doesn't need to to end up in a you know a, a result right now. So if we yeah, can help I'll... and see you in the right direction, that's the game. Yeah, and no, I extremely well said, and I and I really do uh, uh, recommend anyone who's uh, even considering uh, whether it be business or personal, whether it be vehicle or, or office equipment or, or other, uh, before you do anything in that score, just just pick up the phone, have a chat to Michael. Uh, I know from my own personal experience, having dealt with you for many years. Uh, now, Michael, just how uh, beneficial that has been, because I always feel I can I can share everything openly with you. You, you talk me through the options, the pros and cons, and and allow me to uh, ask enough questions to put myself in a place where I feel like I'm making a much better informed decision around this. And and certainly that's proven to be the case with with everything that you've helped uh, myself and many of our clients out with over the years that we've referred you through to. So I uh, really want to thank you for taking the time to share all of this wealth of wisdom. And uh, as you just mentioned, I, I really want to keep this conversation going. So uh, anyone who's tuned into this and has some questions around this area, uh, join and jump into our Property Hub Collective Interactive Facebook community, where you can actually share your comments, your questions, uh, and any queries that you might have around this. Uh, and, and Michael can and respond uh, along with other like-minded, hard-working Aussies. So uh, uh, I I'm, I'm really want to thank you for uh, spending uh, your very generous time with us and uh, look forward to keeping the conversation going, Michael. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the, the opportunity and, and definitely uh, there for anyone that uh, wants more information. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Get Invested on the Property Hub podcast channel your home for property investment insights and inspiration. And don't leave yet until you've taken the next step towards living by design. By getting my award-winning book, Get Invested, absolutely free when you sign up at knowhowproperty.com.au or bushymartin.com.au. And finally, make sure you subscribe to Property Hub to get your weekly dose of Get Invested inspiration along with every episode of Realty Talk. Australia's leading property show for red-hot property investing news and insights, direct from industry leaders and influencers. Remember to always get invested in your knowledge and I look forward to seeing you next time.